Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your host is Maso DiBartolo. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. And we are live uh, to another episode, actually series uh, two of Navigating the Metaverse, a guide to limitless possibilities in Web3. And today I'm joined by two amazing folks and peers. I have the pleasure to introduce Mike Shaman, is the CEO of NF Heroes, an NFT collection of heroes, villains, and gods, a mission to educate, empower, and inspire the community. Mike, so such a great pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for having me. And we have uh, Spike Laurie from uh, UK today, is a partner of Hyro Capital, a VC fund invested in innovators of games esports and digital sports very curious about that such a great pleasure to have you Spike. thank you very much so spike you in london today right i'm here in london it's just started raining so oh it's raining in the in, in the metaverse and out of the metaverse it seems <laughs> mike how about you where are you based uh, i'm based in the san francisco bay area oh so we are we are literally na- neighbors uh, then in and out of the metaverse too right and that's a good, a, a good, a good way to uh, have a segue into our topic, metaverse, right? I mean, right now we are uh, having almost an unprecedented time, at least in 2022, right? We have kind of a, a, a market that is shaky, right? And so the topic comes up more and more. Well, okay, I heard and I read about the metaverse, but how do I do business with it, right? How do I make money? What is the economy behind it, right? We see that it looks a lot like a game, but I actually can monetize, right? Mike, what are your thoughts on this? What is a metaverse? How do we make business in a metaverse? You know, it's really interesting because I think the early metaverse plays that exist in the market have been very focused on gaming, right? They've been very focused. If you look at Sandbox, even the name describes it, right? It's a sandbox. It's a place for people to go and play. Uh, you look at Decentraland, right? It sounds like a theme park. It kind of operates like a theme park. Um, it's a place for people to go and game, to catch up with others, and to be entertained. I think, you know, when you look at how those two, you know, the two largest players in the space, and NFT Worlds is another one, right, where it's built on Minecraft. So you've got three kind of major metaverse plays that are out there um, that are very focused on the gaming space, on kind of individual collectors, but very few have approached this from an enterprise perspective. And I think there's a massive opportunity for Fortune 500 brands, for different types of meetings and events to occur in the metaverse. Uh, And I think that's something that as we see the technology broaden, um, we'll see more of is, is kind of people looking to take advantage of uh, a bit more of a pragmatic applications for meetings and events in the space. So you see a feature basically of enterprise metaverse where enterprises, their needs are solved rather than more the gaming angle or 
how would you see an enterprise metaverse taking place? I do. I mean, I, look, I, I think that when you think about the ways that people in Fortune 500 organizations meet and look at the online meeting platforms that receive so much funding, um, hop in, you know, got 500 million from A16Z, you have Bizabo, um, even things like Zoom, right? And, and the standard ways that people are meeting like we're, we're meeting right now. Um, those platforms traditionally have been very pragmatic in that you have a talking head and you have the ability to share some some chat and things like that. Uh, but they haven't been more immersive. They're not deeper. They're not more engaging. People are, you know, kind of used to doing this like they're used to having a phone call. If you want to create more engaging and memorable experiences, I think the metaverse is going to provide an opportunity for that. Um, so as you watch professionals interact with one another in professional settings, uh, I think that there's definitely an opportunity for metaverse projects to uh, arise um, and, you know, disrupt that space. Mike, what's your, what's your take on uh, monetizing the metaverse now that we are, uh, I think, familiar enough with what it could be, right? How do you monetize? How do you make it part of your the strategy, of your digital strategy? I think it's a good question. Uh, I, I, th I don't think people know yet. Um, you know, if you look at games and the monetization model in games and how rapidly that has evolved just in the last 20 years from putting a quarter in an arcade machine at a physical venue to buying a disc for $60 to, um, you know, having a, a, a free-to-play game on your mobile phone that you download instantly and pay for skins and, um, you know, microtransactions and, and DLC items and things like that. Like, no one would have guess that evolution so quickly and and how it's now been almost solved to a point we think with the season pass and, and content like that so i don't think anybody knows um how the the metaverse is going to monetize depends who you ask if you ask uh, a, a crypto web3 enthusiast they're going to say it's decentralized blockchain tokens with DAOs and for governance and other things if you ask zuckerberg he's going to say it's a facebook subscription with your Quest headset. Um, depends who you ask, depends on their point of view, but, you know, I'm sorry to give the, the, the easy answer, but uh, who knows? <laughs> now, the defense has always leaves a lot of room, right? So what have you seen then, Spike? You are investing in, in games, esports, and digital sports, right? And there are multiple components to this uh, industry of who the ecosystem players are. On one hand, obviously, you know, the, the brands and the clubs and the leagues, right? And the players and so on, right? But on the other hand, we are seeing also a huge rise based on what's happening over the last 12, 18 months, right? Of, of corporation wanting to join that, right? Have you seen it kind of platforms out there that are combining the two or what could you share with the audience here in this perspective? Yeah, and you know, I'll be really candid. When I yeah. talk about metaverse, I, I basically use this shorthand for the future. Um, you know, we... We're called Hero Capital after Hero Protagonist in Neil Stephenson's Snow Crash, first time the word metaverse was uttered in literature. Um, and a couple of you know, years ago when we named the fund that, it, you know, metaverse wasn't the, the buzzword that it is today. Just, I think it just means the future, right? We invest in games, we invest in games technology. Games drive a lot of technology, uh, technological advancements, but really it's about content. It's about somewhere to be. We talked earlier about Zoom and hop in and, and, and these sort of uh, platforms, well, they were a necessity. We had to have Zoom. We had to have Google Meet because in some countries, if you left your house, you were put in jail 
right? This is the last two years that we've been living in a pandemic. In the UK, it got pretty draconian. You weren't, you only had to leave your house for one hour a day for exercise at one point, right? Or for essential shopping. So you had to have a business had to continue. Human beings had to continue to date, had to continue to see friends, had to continue to do work and to see family. And so Zoom and, and hop in and, and well, and, and Google Meet and these and, and um, Epic brought one out. It was a, a something party, face party, I can't remember what it was called, but lots of different platforms to do that. Well, in a world where you are free to do what you want, to spend your time as you want, you need a reason to be in the metaverse and games provide that. It's content, it's fun, it's a reason to be there uh, and, and, and put down your PlayStation con uh, controller or just driving your car or being in the park or or doing other things. And so that's why I think games are really important for um, creating the metaverse, whatever you want to call this feature, um, because it gives people a reason to be there and to spend time together. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Metaverse being the future and at the center of all this is content, right? Content has always been, I mean, as, a, as the relevance and importance of content has always been since we've won around. Right? Maybe let's focus more on what's the difference of content between um, content in Web 2 and content in Web 3. How is this shifting, shaping? How is this uh, gaining of more importance? Mike, what are your thoughts of, of, of this uh, transition? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I think that Web 2 content, it, you know, what we now call kind of legacy content creators come from large central authorities, right? In my space with non-fungible heroes, we're very firmly pointed at disrupting Hollywood and disrupting the traditional creative processes. So it used to be you have to be with a big studio, you have to be with Warner Brothers, or you have to be produced through Netflix, or name your massive entertainment studio that has its very traditional way of find a writer, find a showrunner, find creatives that can make a show, put it through network television or a streaming service, um, and get it to market, right? So you have kind of a very centralized process in that one or two really phenomenally talented creatives are kind of producing um, content that individuals can then consume. Uh, Web3 is really about kind of decentralizing that creative process. It's an approach that we've taken as a community uh, where the community all provides feedback in terms of what the storyline will be, who the main character should be, what their actions should be. And that can be anything from voting mechanisms to participative quests that happen in our discord and in our chat rooms to, you know, uh, brainstorms to people creating their own characters and their backstories. You know, web three is about ownership and it's about ownership of intellectual property. So when you buy an NFT, you take ownership of that character and what you do with that is, is kind of up to you. Um, it's something that we're starting to see with non fungible films, which is uh, a web three media and entertainment entity that's been spun up to also provide an alternative path from um, kind of traditional content creation into Web3, uh, which I think is super fascinating. It's something we're doing on a project level. And I think you're going to see more and more of that um, kind of community uh, participation being encouraged, being rewarded. Um, and allowing individuals kind of greater autonomy over the stories that are told and, and over what they want to consume. Very interesting point. So from, individu from individual centralized uh, consumption and production almost, right, 
the decentralized co-contribution, co-collaboration, right? Even at story level, right? So it's not predefined, but we're doing it together. And at the center of all this, we have basically then the ownership. So like, what have, what have you seen now? I mean, I assume that you're seeing dozens and dozens of applications in this industry of games, esports, digital sports, I'm confident you're seeing a shift tremendously towards, towards what, three question mark, right? Are you, right? And, and, then, uh, and then are you seeing a, an evolution of, of, of content? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. Huge amount of blockchain, Web3 yeah. uh, content coming through or uh, pitches coming through. I mean, there's a joke in the venture capital industry that if you couldn't get funding six months ago for your game studio, just say that you're a blockchain game studio now and <laughs> add a zero to the valuation and you'll get funded. Um, and I think there's a bit of, you know, I think there's, there's some, there is some truth to that, unfortunately, and there's been a lot of a lot of bets in the in the blockchain and, and Web3 space. We'll see, you know, history will, will tell us, you know, how those netted out, all those investments netted out, and and if they're all, all winners or losers or, you know, somewhere in between. Um what I have seen is a overemphasis, in my opinion, on tokenomics and economy, and not enough emphasis on the fun, the gameplay, the content, the purpose, the reason. And, you know, I, 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 an anecdote is, you know, I was at a, a big games conference and a very, very well-respected, very well-known um, games creator was pitching me his, his latest business. We got through 29 slides of tokenomics. And I said, please tell me this last slide, slide number 30 is going to tell me what the game is. And he was like, yes, of course you're right, Spike, it will. And he turned, turned then he said, it's match three with NFTs. And, and, and at that point, you sort of, you, you have to ask what the purpose is and who this is for. Who is this game for? This sort of word play to earn, this buzzword play to earn, this has been really used and driven by Axie Infinity. Well, is Axie Infinity the rule? Is that what everything's going to look like in the future? Or is it the exception to the rule, right? Is it Was it a phenomenon? The jury's out. We'll have to see. But when you're a game studio, you're making games, you have to say, what is the purpose of adding the blockchain to this game? Why can't you just do this with a database? Why can't you just do this with a real money auction house? Like, Diablo did many years ago. Why can't you? What is it about the governance token that means that the players have a meaningful stake or share in the game? And a lot of the time that goes unanswered, which I think is a shame. Okay, Metaverse Nation, great news. If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book. Written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and metaverse space, we published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. But on the, on the flip side, you know, to give a great example of how Web3 can be used is, you know, you have an opportunity to, one, prove an IP very early, you know, board apes are a perfect example of that. Do people does the does the board ape resonate with people? Yes, it does. 
People want to collect these, they want to trade them, and they perceive value in them. Cool. Um, or is there a community? Can I build a Discord server around people who like to talk about this, uh, this project or invest in this project? Can I release a token? Or can I release an NFT, a 10K project? Can I release something early that shows and validates there's a community there and that they like this intellectual property? The answer is yes. So in a way, the projects that I think are using Web3 well are using it like a Kickstarter 2.0 to validate concepts, to prove out a community, and to give their early adopters some meaningful participation in what is coming in the future in return for their hard-earned dollars, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or what used to be Luna a week ago. <laughs> I love that sentence, Web3 is a server two in return to reward. I never heard that, but it makes totally sense. Yeah, I like this anecdote. Mike, uh, so I mean, let's apply this, right? You are CEO of NF Heroes, right? How did you come about it? W why did you do it, right? What's what's your roadmap? What's the what value angle in, in your heroes, villains, and gods uh, of a mission to educate and empower the community? Yeah, I, I started as a collector in the space. So, um, you know, I uh, began in Web3, you know, I, I onboarded with NBA Top Shot. I started collecting and flipping NFTs. Lucky enough to, to get into Board Ape Yacht Club very early. Had an understanding of the power of the communities that we're building. Um, I fell in love with the art for non-fungible heroes. Uh, I had found the project kind of randomly by seeing uh, a nice character on Twitter, fell in with the team. I was still at my previous agency um, and decided and, and saw the potential of, of Web3 with regards to community, with regards to, uh, you know, the, the value that these had, not just financially, but, you know, with regards to the utility beyond that. Um, so, you know, I wanted to get involved. They saw my experience running a digital agency for various brands and asked me to participate and eventually um, kind of head up efforts to expand the project. Uh, for us, you know, NF Heroes has a few different approaches, right? Clearly, we have our own project where we are pushing intellectual property into Hollywood in a new way. So community-driven creative through comic books. Uh, we're in the midst of writing a pilot. We have a few production deals. Uh, we've signed with William Morris to represent us in Hollywood. So the media and entertainment industry is, is firmly in our crosshairs. Uh, beyond that, you know, we have a lot of developer talent. We have a lot of marketing talent. We have a lot of community um, members that are incredibly talented. Uh, so we've also been helping other creators launch projects through uh, the ecosystem. One of those, and I mentioned earlier, non-fungible films, I'm, I'm on the board of NFF, um, that is, you know, actively working to help bridge Web3 to Web2 mediums. Um, and again, this gets back to your earlier question about how is creative produced. The opportunity for me was always... You know, traditional media is very much a monologue. It's being told in a one-way fashion. If you can create a dialogue with a community, with your audience, with your consumers and collectors, and allow them to participate in the experience, that's what does it for me. Um, that's the, you know, the creation of that community allows you to unlock everything else beyond it. So then your, your you know, your PFP becomes a flex 
because you have such a big, broad community and they have a tone and those are things you want to associate with, right? It's not just financial value. It's the type of people that are, that are repping it out there, right? It's, it's kind of that, that social capital element that's very important. Um, for heroes, it's also about providing utility, right? It's about, you know, Spike, you mentioned in the gaming space, and, and I totally agree, like the apex of value can't be earn. Earn is a feature, right? Earn is a wonderful thing to be able to add to an ecosystem to incentivize people to play, um, but it can't be the the end all. It's got to be entertainment. It's always been entertainment with gaming, um, and I think that's one of the reasons that you see so much so much fud from the traditional gaming space is that they all believe that games are going to be grindy and crappy and, and poorly done because it's just going to be about grinding out to make money um, as opposed to you know the joy of playing. Um, so for us, it's about harnessing that joy. It's about harnessing entertainment. It's about connecting community um, and using all of that to lift up this single intellectual property and then to also help others, you know, in the Web3 space um, make their way into uh, mainstream and, and capture those eyeballs. I love what you, what you just said. And I actually want to emphasize that, August, because I'm getting asked also a lot, right, and, you know, later, and, and you mentioned it too, right, Spike, right? It's, it's an, everybody's talking about it because definitely it's, it's kind of a shift of a, of a reward mechanism of an extrinsic value to get an extrinsic value, but this is a feature, right? It's, it's not definitely not the goal. And then the question is, okay, what's the entertainment value? What's the value, right, that is created overall in whatever environment and whatever metaverse we are, we, are, we are in, right? And at the center of all this, we're using a lot this word community, 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 which as, as if this would be very easy, A, to understand and B, to maintain. We want to double click together on A, what is a community in, compa in comparison to followers, right? Which is, again, goes back to Web2, right? And then B, what have we seen that works actually pretty well or, or maybe doesn't work in, in, in building a Web3 community? Because it is an immense challenge sustain a, col a collaborative community, right? Uh, Spike, you want to go first? Well, any community is hard to, to build and sustain, right? Uh, Web 2 or Web 3 or, or whatever you want to call it. I think we've seen huge, you know, what we have seen is a very, um, a very engaged community very engaged communities in web3 right around pfp projects around blockchain games around the idea of crypto and web3 itself right you just have to go on twitter or you have to go into discord you can see how engaged people are and i think the what what web3 gets right about that is that idea of ownership that idea of being part of something right and being and and being able to to, to have a piece of the value chain that belongs to you and as a lifelong gamer, you know, many games I've played, I've owned things in games, I've owned houses in games, I've owned swords, I've owned horses, I've owned cars, I've owned, you, you know, spaceships, mm -hmm. I've owned quite a lot of stuff. But I haven't got anything to show for it, actually, at the end of the day, right, other than memories. Um, and I think, you know, the idea of that faith that's created in that community with this idea of ownership and we can argue whether you really own it or not. That's uh, that's a, you know a, probably a philosophical debate for another day. But at least the community feels like they own a piece of it. Or well, this this picture of a monkey is their picture of a monkey, 
or this sword in a blockchain game is their sword and they can give it to someone else or they can put it in their wallet or they can, you know, that I think is, um, is what Web3 has got right and what the community and why the community is so galvanized and so strong. Double click on this provoking uh, sentence that you mentioned and you didn't finish, right? <laughs> you feel that you own it, but uh, we can argue about that. What, what do you mean exactly with that? Well, um, it goes back to the point of, you know, just because your name is in a ledger somewhere or just because, you know, a certain string of numbers is in a ledger somewhere doesn't mean that you, you own it, right? It's And actually, when you actually look at the fine print as well on a lot of these PFP projects, they are, you are limited commercially and legally by what you can do with the asset that you have, right? If, it's a, if you're commercializing one of these, if you, if you buy a PFP picture, and then you want to commercialize that PFP picture and make money out of it, you might not be able to actually under the legal agreement that you have when you purchased your PFP picture, right? So there are some boundaries and there are some nuances that perhaps a lot of people don't understand. The famous example of that is that um, the Dow that bought the Dune book. Do you remember that? There's a beautiful book of the artwork of Dune. Oh, yeah. The, the show, right? And they say, guess what, guys? We, we, we've paid a million bucks for this book. It's super rare. There's only one in five. We're now going to make a TV show called Dune based on this book, right? You can imagine the, 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 the ridicule that they received, right? When they pretty worked out pretty quickly that they couldn't do that. But they thought they could because they thought they owned it. And that is, to, to double-click, uh, answer on, on, on the provocative statement I made a little bit ago. That's what I mean by that, which I, I don't think is unfair. No, I think the, top, the topic of legal is still very, very gray zone and early on. That's, that's an entire chapter on its own, right? Uh, if, if not an entire fundament on its own to still be maturing into it. Mike, the original question was about community, right? And we make the, the comparison, you know, what to fellowship uh, or followers, right? versus community, right, how to sustain a community, like said, it was always challenging to build a community, absolutely agree on that. What are the nuances of a Web3 community? What have you learned so far? What works, what doesn't? Yeah, I mean, it's in the NFT space specifically, I think you see a lot of communities that are purely hype cycle communities. They're purely, you know, gathered around the financial value of a project. And they can hype it up, hype it up, hype it up and watch the chart go up. And then when they run out of gas, kind of goes down and they never had a central concept to rally around, right? They never had anything that brought them together except the financial value. I think in, in that way, is it's kind of an analogy to the gaming space, right? If the pure and only element of value is financial, and the financial value slips and struggles, then, you know, your community kind of disperses. If you can create a community that is engaged, that has similar interests, um, in this case, in, in our case, it's anime, it's manga, it's animation, it's people connecting with the characters and the storyline that's been established by the project and wanting to add to that and wanting to contribute. Um, then the financial value becomes a, a secondary or tertiary element to, to bring people together, right? Now, our community not only contributes creatively, but they're in there hanging out. We talk about other projects. We game. We have all sorts of different interactive experiences. We've created an idle game, um, which essentially is a way to set up your NFTs and your characters 
and send them off, you know, on anywhere from four to 72 hour quests. It's not a button pushing game. It's literally set up your characters and, and send them off uh, so that you can, you know, earn tokens to spend in our marketplace, right? So it, it's giving them activities. It's creating ways for them to connect in unique ways. Uh, it's really just in the discourse that happens on a day-to-day basis. It's, and, and also, you know, it's being respectful of their time and attention. Any project that requires intensely deep knowledge of everything that's happening in it um, is something that is going to struggle, I think, because it's hard with as many projects, with as many PDE games, as many metaverses that are out there for people to focus on a singular project, you know, all day, every day. Um, So I think there's also an element of embracing that and just embracing the journey of being early and being new in this Web3 space that allows individuals to exchange ideas. It allows them to support one another. Um, it allows them to connect with each other. And, you know, it's always about finding that that common area. And, you know, everybody in, in, in the NFT space kind of gathers in Discord and they gather in Twitter. Um, and so those are ways that you can just kind of dive in and dive out, connect with each other over the course of the day, find people, again, that, that are kind of interested in the same things as you. And, and um, you know, that's that's really where the core value lies with a lot of this is in the ability to connect with one another and share ideas and, and uh, just, you know, meet new people that, that you want to be able to connect with. I love it. So it's not about the hype and you don't get together for the financial reason and the reward reason, but mission, utility, right? Build utility. And then what I really liked is I think this word that you mentioned, respectful of the attention, right? Because there is so much going on, right? So when you build a community, you learn also to say, okay, it's quiet, it's quiet right now, right? But they're kind of part of it, right? How can we engage and create more value to get them actually their attention again? Yeah, I mean, con- and content is still king. You have to have a great story. Like, right, right, right. you know, Spike mentioned it earlier, you have to have a great game. You have to be entertaining. You have to, like, everything comes out of story, period, end, end, end of sentence, like, that's it. If you have a, If you don't have an interesting story, if you don't have an entertaining game, you are really going to struggle to be successful in any way in this space. So that will, you know, be like a magnet that will, that will draw people that will attract all sorts of interest. And then everything else branches off that the financial value branches off that the community branches off that, but at the core of all is great story. And with that, that's a good segue and an ending word. Great story. So we can become all, all storytellers, right? Brands become storytellers, right? End user becomes storytellers because they are contributors. Developer becomes storytellers, right? Investors need to interpret more and more storytelling, right? I mean, we heard there's so spike emphasizing that at the beginning, right? Now I would like to um, wrap up things with a more uh, visionary, a future back question, right? Right, maybe starting with you, take me, I would say, two years down the road, right? Maybe traditional business would have said 10, but because Metaverse two years are almost 10, <laughs> right? How do you envision a Metaverse two years down the road, right? And then bundled to this question is, and then Mike, the same question to you too, right? What do you think will be the main obstacles to get there to fulfill this, 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 this uh, to realize this vision? Well, I think that um, two years is a very short time as you're right, in, in the creation of the metaverse. I think we're going to see a lot of people try lots of things and a lot of money being put into the metaverse. 
in whether that's blockchain, VR, AR, um, and, and, and just content itself. A lot of that is going to fail. A lot of it is going to fail. You know, if, if, you, if you know the, the Gartner hype cycle picture, you know, you have the sort of um, the, the um, uh, peak of expectations, something expectations. Then you have the, uh, the trough of despair or whatever it's called, and then you have the plateau of productivity. I think we're right at the top of that um, peak at the moment. A lot is going to, something's going to be really successful. Some things, uh, most stuff is going to fail, I think. And in two years' time, I feel like we'll be coming out of that trough on the plateau of productivity. Things would have started to crystallize. Utility will start to be baked into experiences and content. We'll understand what that utility is. And more importantly, the mass adoption of these sorts of technologies will start to happen. The technology will come, become better. Um, easier to onboard. Um, you won't be fiddling around. You know, a lot of people still struggle with things like MetaMask and 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 tools like that. And I think a lot of that tooling has to happen for us to get out of the trough and into the plateau of productivity. And that's where we'll be in two years' time. And what do you think will be the obstacles to get to mass adoption, utility being more common? What are your thoughts there? I think smart people um, creating smart tools and smart utility for most people um, and thinking about it from the mass consumers perspective, not from the hardcore enthusiasts perspective, how to get there. If you forget your password on Google, you, you're not, that isn't game over. If you forget your 12 line, 12 word code for your MetaMask wallet, whatever it is, it's, it is game over, right? You're done. Um, and that's where you hear all those funny stories of people trying to, you know, pay councils to open landfills up again where they threw a hard drive away 10 years ago because it's <laughs> worth 200 million, right? That, that doesn't work for the, for, for, for the mainstream. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for the mainstream. We put up with it, but we shouldn't have to. Early adopters put up with, with a lot of challenges, right? Mike, your 24 months challenge or even longer. I think 24 in the metaverse is, is, is a lot of time. And then what are the obstacles to get to this vision? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Spike said it. The technical barriers that currently exist are fairly high. And so mainstream is going to struggle with those and continue to struggle until better tools are built to onboard them into Web3. I think security is a major issue. Um, the scams are prevalent in the space. Uh, it's very easy to fool someone to give up their seed phrase or to, you know, steal contents of their wallet or have them connect their wallet to scam sites. They're very hard to track and very hard to find. So, um, you know, security will be a primary obstacle. Uh, I do want to throw out there though, my, you know, one prediction I have for the future is kind of a, a, a theory that's been rattling around in my head is that gaming in particular, I think, has the potential to change fairly significantly. Uh, getting out of the PlayStation, Xbox, um, or Steam type of, you know, Battle Royale, Standard Games, or Call of Duty, or Fortnite. Um, and I think we have the potential to start seeing gamified ownerships of NFTs and kind of expanding the concept of a game from I'm going to mash buttons for... 15 minutes in a battle royale into longer term community engaged type of, I, I, I call them, you know, quests, but really 
long-term engagements and interactions with individuals who are operating within communities to collaborate, to work together, to achieve goals in a much broader sense. Um, I think there's some really interesting things that I'm seeing as a trend where, you know, people are putting down their controllers and they're jumping into these community activations. Um, they're jumping into challenges and other things and, and engaging in unique ways that uh, are kind of gamifying the experience of participating in the NFT space. So I wonder if that is going to expand outward as more mainstream people come in and maybe, you know, shift focus a little bit from gaming to, you know, this broader community participation um, experience. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. It, it could evolve in some unexpected ways. Security an issue, definitely. And then the gaming becoming more long-term immersive and more interactive. So we're getting basically a twist to what we understand today and how we to what we are dedicating today attention. And with that, we could talk for hours about that. I mean, I loved it. Thank you so much. Mike Shaman, CEO of NF Heroes, check it out. And Spike Laurie, partner at Hyro Capital. Thank you so much, gentlemen. You guys have a great rest of your day and I'll meet you in the metaverse. Bye. Thanks, Russell. Thank you for listening. Another quick reminder about our referral code for Upland, the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UpX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.